Hello, welcome to Hey It Gets Better, the podcast where people share stories of the ups and downs of their lives and the message is that ultimately it does get better. I'm your host, Katie Watson, and today I'm joined by Caitlin Rosario, who is one of the co-founders of Interlude. Interlude is a fantastic platform that helps us all take high quality breaks. This is a brilliant episode and I really hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, let's kick things off. So I guess we'll just jump straight in with it and start off with um, the main question, which is, you know, what is your Hey, It Gets Better story? Yeah, I think I have two for you that are kind of interestingly interlinked. So one, so the first one is kind of part of our origin story and how we first started um, thinking about Interlude. So we started working on Interlude in um, about May 2020. Um, We were both really struggling with, with lockdown, with working from home and stuff. And Will had been saying for a while that he wanted to try and learn something new. So he started to learn how to code and he wanted to put that into practice and like make a, a product essentially just to, to, you know, really learn by learn, learn by doing rather than learn by learning. And um, we were talking about like what we could do, like what this platform could be. We, and we, we started thinking about like kind of, do you remember when brain games were a thing? Yeah. Do you remember when that was like, what everyone did all the time those like little brain games on your phone so we started with that but then it turns out that's really difficult to code <laughs> so then we started thinking about the kind of content and that's how we got to these high quality breaks and then to go back so we paused there where that kind of was really important for me this was kind of a resurgence of something that had happened before so when I was 18 and I was at my it was I was in my first term at Cambridge you know from Croydon, from a state school, like very much a fish out of water there. Um, I was reading English and I woke up one day and I literally just couldn't, I could only see like this much out of like the sides. Um, And I'd I'd had, I'd had some weird stuff. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely wild. I had a few things for the first like three or four days preceding that, but I put it down to being like, I've always worn glasses uh, I was really tired from from the first term. I was really busy and I'd been a bit blurry. And I remember I was helping do some catering and I was trying to pour drinks. And I was a bit like off. I was like, this is really weird. But then on that fourth day or fifth day, I just woke up and I couldn't really see anything. And I was like, oh, I'm freaking out. It was like about this big. Um, that must have been for terrifying. Who's it's probably about the size of like a, maybe like a, yeah, it was crazy. It was wild. It was like, about the size of a saucer, a teacup saucer that I couldn't see. And it was like black and like moving. It was gross. It was like, it was really, it was, ugh. it looked like something out of like a zombie film. Um, so yeah, I, that was just, I mean, we use the word all the time now, but it was completely unprecedented. I had no idea what to do. Um, to make things worse, both my parents had the norovirus. My dad had recovered, but he just had it. My mum was still sick with it. So I was like, I don't really know what to do. So I, you know, got on a bus, like stood at the front of the bus and went to the opticians. They were like, you need to go to (laughs) A&E. I was like, okay, cool. Got on a bus, stood at the front again, was like, can you please tell me when we get to the hospital? And um, I'm always so grateful because there was, I went to the the eye department and there was this really lovely nurse who came over and she's like, who are you waiting for? I was like, a doctor. And she was like, no, but who are you waiting with? And I was like, no one. She's like, you're not here with like a grandparent or something. I was like, no, I'm here to be looked at myself. She was like, oh my goodness. And she like rushed everything. And she like 
got me to the front of the queue and like got all my tests and done things done quickly. Um, but then unfortunately after that, I had some, a horrible doctor who was like holding up this card and was like, say, tell me the fourth letter. And I was like, I can't, I don't know. I can only see a few letters, so I don't know which one's the fourth. She was like, just say the fourth letter. I was like, why are you yelling at me? Like, I can't see. Oh, like, it was horrible. It was such a horrible experience. So like, even as the like entire experience was really awful, even the first like part of it was just so stressful. Um, Sorry, I've got a really dry throat because I've got really bad hay fever. It's okay. <laughs> if you see me kind of snuffling, the hay, the pollen is the pollen is doing me in at the moment. Um, so yeah, it it was just crazy. I had all these tests for like they thought maybe I had leukemia or like low platelets or a brain tumor and like just all, all these like really scary things. Um, and yeah, eventually they worked out that. What they think I have is a very, very, very rare condition called acute macular neuroretinopathy, which they think is caused by an allergy to phenylephrine, which is the decongestion in a lot of like um, medicines. And I'd taken a flu medicine a few days before, so I'd never had before. So they think that it was that, um, which caused like some blood vessels in my eyes to burst, and which is why I couldn't see anything. Um, and at the time, I was this. 60th or 61st case oh, wow something like that known in the world ever so it was like yeah crazy rare and to make things even better Katie normally it's in one eye at the front and mine was in both eyes at the back so I'm like rare on rare I always knew a special you know <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was it was something it was really something else that must have been it was just it's only since I was I yeah, I can't like, yeah, it was, it was just, it was so much to kind of, to process. And I don't think I did really, to be honest, because I went back to uni because it, luckily it got a lot better okay. really quickly. So I, I had that for about a week where I really couldn't see anything. And then by the time I went back to uni about six weeks later, I, I have, a st I have what I have now, which is like a kind of blob that's mm. sometimes kind of sparkly, sometimes kind of blurry. Sometimes it's just kind of my vision is just down, if you yeah. get me. Um, so luckily I was able to go back and I had a lot of support at Cambridge. So that was great. But to bring it back to interlude, I was really frustrated because I used to be someone who could just sit down and like at Christmas, my grandma would always buy me like a pile of books and I'd like plow through at least two of them on Christmas day. I'd just sit in the corner and read and I loved it. And then I got to a point where I'd like read one poem and be like, oh, oh. no. Like my eyes would like blur up. There was a while where I couldn't see like below. It was awful. So I really, I didn't have a choice. I was really like physically unable to do a lot of stuff. And it was really frustrating because mentally I was there, but physically I couldn't do it. So I, you know, took a few precautions. And some of those things were, I didn't read any books at uni. I mainly did plays and poems to try and like, you know, manage the workload. Um, and I also took a lot of breaks. And I didn't think about that as a strategy until much later I didn't think about how that because it was just it was a necessity mm. it wasn't oh I'll do this it was just like I have to lie down because if I don't lie down I, st I, I still can't I can't see anything yeah. so I have to go and rest um and it, that that was it just kind of was forced into it and then because I didn't really when I was doing my bachelor's I didn't really get everything I wanted out of it because I was like struggling with this disability for like I, that was literally eight weeks in 
you know, to a three-year course. Wow. So that those three years, and this is why when you said before we started talking, Katie, when you were like, is there anything that you don't want to talk about? I didn't want to talk about this for a long time. Yeah, I can imagine. So there was a good chunk of time where I was like, I don't know, I think ashamed. Like, I don't know, weird feelings, definitely weird feelings about it. And I felt very uncomfortable. I don't know, I think sometimes I maybe felt like it was an excuse and I don't like that. Um, and it's very difficult to come to terms with it, you know, going from being completely able-bodied to going to having at the time, which was very, it was a, a, quite a significant disability. It's obviously a lot better, better now. I mm. would class myself as having an impairment now. Um, but mentally as well, like getting your head around that is really, really difficult. And I was so young, I was 18, you know, didn't really know what was going on. So then I did a master's um, like two years later in 2017. And I was really hot on using breaks as a as a strategy, because I was much better then. I was able to talk about it. I was able to say what I needed. I was able to kind of articulate the help that would help me to achieve things. And one of those things is I always took a two hour lunch break. Every single day I took a two hour lunch break because cooking really helps me to calm down and the master's was really stressful. So I would take a break where I was able to cook myself something like delicious and healthy and then take, so that would take like, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes. And then I'd have that time to relax and like eat my lunch, enjoy my lunch, read my book, sit in the garden, whatever it was. And um, when I started working, like I just happened to work in places where first, first place I worked was really anti-breaks and that was really frustrating and not a great place to work. But then I worked in an, um, so that was pre-masters. And then post-masters, I worked in a marketing agency, which was really, the culture was really good for that. So I didn't, again, I wasn't thinking about it because it, breaks were really encouraged. So it wasn't until the pandemic where this all kind of comes full circle where I was like, hey, there's like a there's a thing that we're not doing that some people do naturally, some people are encouraged in very healthy workplaces that don't, there's not many of them. And maybe this is it, maybe this is what we need to be doing. Um, and it turns out the research backs it up, loads and loads and loads of research backs up breaks for well-being and productivity. So I just think it's interesting that the science is there, but also everyone knows anecdotally that when you're feeling run down, taking a break helps you. But also, you know that before you get to that point, if you take a break, you don't get there in the first mm. place. But we don't do it enough and we don't do it often enough and we don't take them well enough. So I guess my big personal thing with with interlude is I don't want people to get to a point of burnout or injury or whatever it is before they realize that you can actually prevent these things. And it's really simple. It takes five minutes a day. If you only have five minutes, like every single person has five minutes. Um, so yeah, we're here now. And I would say, Hey, it does get better because, um, it takes a long time to get used to a physical, yeah. a physical problem, whether that's an injury or if like a bigger, more permanent change and like the mental differences that come with that. Um, even things like, working with an invisible disability and like the kind of prejudice that you get from that and the the responses that you get to that when you do articulate the help that you need um it can be really upsetting and I think it's taken me a long time to learn how to say those things and how to respond to those things um I think before I would just go quiet and be like oh okay if, if I asked for help and someone was standoffish um, because I don't look like I have a problem, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, they must be hard. Even with glasses on, people don't people don't think glasses are that big a deal. Yeah, like 
Some of the worst ones I've had, like I was in Sainsbury's once looking for some cocoa powder and I went over to this guy who was stacking the shelves and I was like, oh, could you help me find the cocoa powder? And he kind of looked at me like, you are wasting my time. Like this withering look of like, and I was like, I have a visual impairment actually. And even then he was like, oh, and I was just like, I'm asking for help and actually it's your job. So like, it, it's, it's, it's tough a lot of people would not, I think, I don't know if you feel this, Katie, but like, we're kind of encouraged to be self-sufficient yeah. and not ask for help. And it, it is hard, like, learning how to do that um, takes a lot of time. And I think it's really, it's it's quite bad because actually half the time just asking for help makes such a difference. And I do think it's so important as well when, mm-hmm. to be someone out there because I always... I'm a big believer in karma and everything. And I just think if someone asks me for help, like you got to do it because Same. at the end of the day, you can ask someone for help. And if we all become that person, it's a bit of a cycle. Like everyone just helps each other. And, but Absolutely. unfortunately not everyone in the world thinks like that. And you get people like your guy in Sainsbury's who is a bit like, what, what do you expect me to do? And you shouldn't actually have to say, look, like I have a visual impairment. And even then I don't think people really understand like, yeah you, you sh- can't you cannot see <laughs> like there's nothing you can do about it no they they don't get it and like no and people don't understand as well people like clarity and so I think people don't understand when I am, have a differing ability on different days um this comes with and I, or I always my family are terrible for headaches and migraines like we're all very headachey people um, but this brings on a lot of very nasty side effects. Um, so like migraines, really bad headaches. Um, luckily the migraines have really subsided in the last few years. So I don't actually, I haven't had one for a while, but I get the like, I don't know if you've ever had one, but I get the, like the feeling that it's coming. Okay, but I'm, yeah. again, it comes back to knowing your body and being able to rest because I can feel it coming and I'm always able to stop it in its tracks, which is really good. Um, but I think we're, we're encouraged to plow on and to like the show must go on. But actually sometimes the show needs to take a hiatus in order for it to be good. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely something that you have to like learn to work with. Like one of the most frustrating side effects I have is sometimes at night I get these like really bright lights and they're like, it's like a camera flash going yeah. off or headlights going over and there's nothing I can do. There's nothing because closing my eyes makes it worse because that is it's the contrast of the black and the mm. thing. So like I'll be so tired because I can't sleep and I'll have these lights and like they're it's actually just doing it right now. It's like it heard me. Um, it's and sometimes it's like fireworks and it's just like it's infuriating and like it's you know when you can't sleep and you're mad because you can't yeah. sleep and then you can't sleep because you're mad and like that that plus visual auras is really annoying. So yeah, it's it's hard to kind of articulate to people. Like I am a lot better than I was, but still on some days I need a lot more help. And sometimes that isn't because I can't see. Sometimes it's because I've got a really bad headache or I don't feel very well. Like for a while I was really nauseous mm-hmm. because your eyes are a really big part of your like balance and your, and, and how you, like partly why you feel seasick is the kind of, um, the difference between what you can see and what your body feels. So I felt really like really seasick for a long time as well. So I think that's another thing to bear in mind for people, for people who have problems who are maybe just learning to come to terms with it. Like you do not have to, you don't have to explain yourself to anyone. Sometimes it helps to do that, but like 
you know that sometimes you're better, sometimes you're worse. I think this speaks for kind of yeah, mental well-being and mental illness as well. Like, it, it can be all over the place. And it's a, and you're allowed yeah, to have it's it like Just that. because you might be fine one day doesn't mean... Absolutely. And like, I think with mental well-being, because that's the, the second thing I was going to talk about that we can come on to is like, I think sometimes it's like, the idea of like oh but you seem fine and it's like you've seemed better like you've seemed like you're better and it's like yeah but today's bad <laughs> like and things are not just oh I am in a good place and or I'm in a bad place you could be in a bad place and have a good day similarly you could be in a good place and have a bad day and like no one gets to tell you like oh but I thought you were good I thought you were good or like oh but I thought you were really ill like why are you so happy today like no one gets to tell you that physical mental like that's completely up to you um, and I think that's, it's hard to, I do think that's a tough lesson to learn because we feel like we need to explain ourselves all the time and we want to justify ourselves and we just don't need to. And that can be mentally exhausting as well and the attempt to constantly justify yourself, which makes things worse. Cause I think, like you said with like, it does, it, you know, it affects mental, you know, this is, a, this whole thing's applicable to mental sure. health and mental illness. Like I've had days where I've not like, not been like the high energy and it was like, oh, what's wrong? And it's like, sometimes there isn't even a reason behind it. Sometimes you're, you know, you just have a low day. And, no. you, and it's kind of exhausting trying to filter through your head yeah. like, oh, is this why? Is this why? If I do this, will it fix it? And it's this, and then it comes back to this idea of like, we can fix this stuff. And it's, we tackle it like it's like a massive problem. And, you know, oh, I definitely used to do this. Like I used to be like, this is the problem. If I do X, Y, and Z, it will all be fixed. And you can't approach it like that. It's all about like a lifestyle change. It's about actually like feeling feelings, acknowledging them and going through it as a process. Like I'm very like, I love to be efficient. I love to get through Mm. things. Like anytime I'm having, you know, my mental health is bad. Same. (laughs) I'm literally just like, right, let's write a to-do list. Let's get through it, fix it all. And you can't do that. You really can't because all that happens is you just bury stuff. No. And you've got, and it, it, it's all the messy. It's about acceptance, right? Yeah, acceptance. And it's, and we don't get taught that. We just get taught yeah. plow through. You know, the show, like you said, the show must go on. But no, and I, I certainly wasn't. Yeah. And don't talk about it. Yeah, don't talk about it. <laughs> just keep it, keep the lid on it. And I mean, thank you so much for talking about I'm it. I'm glad that that's changing. So. Yeah. No, I, I, okay, so I feel very strongly that that's something we need to do. Those of us who can, should. And I feel very comfortable talking about it. And because the other thing I was going to say to you, which ties in really well, is that I really burnt out last year. I was really, really, really unwell. And I know I see the irony of working on a business that is trying to tackle burnout and trying to help people to be productive when I was very burnt out and very unproductive. But I mean, I do think that founders are in a different place because especially if you're, still trying to keep yourself going with another job because you're working on two jobs. And I was also studying at the same time I was getting my MBA. So I put too much on my plate and like, I'm not surprised that that happened. And I'm very, very comfortable talking about it because I was, when I got my um, like consultation, I was having a period of extreme anxiety, like really bad, really catastrophizing. Like it was really awful and extreme depression. And it was just terrible. Like I was just like crying all the time. If I wasn't crying, I was, it was like an absence of crying rather than not crying. Do you know what I mean? I was just like staring. Um, 
the catastrophizing was really scary because I was just convinced that everyone was going to die all the time. And it was just so awful. And my partner, Will, who's also my co-founder, he was running a training for a marathon at the time. So he'd going out running at night and we were living in Streatham. The the high road is really busy. And I would just convince myself, if he said he was going out for an hour and it was an hour and 10 minutes, I was convinced he'd been hit by a car. And I was just, I would literally just be rocking until he got back. And then I'd be like, just hysterical. It was awful. And the reason I was talking about acceptance is I was talking to my, I got a therapist, which 10 out of 10 recommend. Although the thing I will say is I got very lucky and I got on with my first therapist that I got matched with. It's completely fine to not get on with your therapist and to look for a new one. That is something that we really need to just like be happy with. It's like therapists, like relationships, you're not going to get on with all of them. Style will differ. You might just not, there might be nothing wrong. You might just not be comfortable with them. Like, that's fine. Um, And we talked a lot about acceptance. And like you said, like feeling your feelings. I was really struggling with meta-anxiety, which I'd never heard of, which is about being anxious about being anxious. Oh, I didn't know there was a word for that. Worrying about exactly what you were saying. Like, what what is this problem? Yeah, right? (laughs) And it makes sense, right? I was just so like, well, why am I feeling anxious? Like nothing's happened today. Like, and I didn't, I wasn't, understanding that it was just my brain like not being happy and like sometimes you need to just be like today I'm feeling anxious here are some things that I can do to like not fix it that's another big thing not fix it but like tell my body everything's okay there's no tiger trying to get me like I'm all right so a lot of things that were like diaphragmatic breathing and progressive muscle relaxation things to like really calm down your nervous system And um, it's funny because just because I was just before I was coming onto this, I texted a friend who has been having a bad health, a bad week mental health wise. And I texted to be like, how how are you doing? And she was like, yeah, I'm doing better, but I need to just I'm trying not to throw myself in um, and remind myself that I'm kind of having a bit of a down week. And I said that my therapist, when I finished working with her um, purely for insurance reasons, I would have loved to have carried on. But it was because we felt like we kind of gotten to where we could, I was doing CBT and my insurance had kind of paid for that amount. Um, she wrote me a sheet out that was like, when I'm feeling like this, here are some things I can do. So it was like drawing, painting, reading, cooking, go for a walk, gentle exercise. She also wrote dogs with three exclamation marks. I was like, you, you understand me. Um, (laughs) and it was just that, that she really knows, she gets it. And it was that thing of having a thing there where I didn't have to think about what can make me feel better and what can calm me down or whatever. It's already there for me. So I think that's quite a good tactic of like, when you are feeling good, maybe write down on a piece of paper, like if I'm feeling bad, if I'm feeling depressed, here are some things that can help me. If I'm feeling anxious, here are some things that can help me. And then whatever your other um, issues may be and your other symptoms may be, some things that you can go to so that you don't have to do that mental work. You can just look at it and be like, hot chocolate helps or drinking a litre of water, that helps. Like what are the things that I can do that do not require me to actually think about it? And I thought that was just genius. So really smart. Big claps for Christine for helping me with that. I think as well. Yeah, I'd never thought of it and it's so practical. Yeah. Which thing as well, one thing as well I've had to learn as well is that what works once, like a few times, might not always work. Doesn't mean the whole thing you have to change everything. Hundred percent. Because I definitely found that like, like I used to like for me like meeting up with people, going out with people works. Like when I'm feeling low, 
problem was I did this so much I exhausted myself and I was like do you know what I've got it and I it took me a while it took me a while to realize it and I was like okay I I need to now work out how I can self-soothe because I'm now going out and I'm using all this energy and I think I think it's like this and I think this is where like the whole idea of like you know you're going to be different on different days and stuff like different things are going to work different times I think it's being flexible with it and really you know treat this is yeah like think about how long your life is your life is going to be long um and like touch wood (laughs) um but like you know you're going to do different things things different things will work different things won't um, but we look at instead of like isolating it as like one instance where we ha- you know you've got to fix it then think of it like a long thing a long term thing what are small like you're saying like five minutes yeah. what are small things you can start doing now because you won't see the benefit I think as well we also expect benefits straight away you don't see benefits straight away like you might feel a little, some some benefits yeah. but the big ones come when you continuously do stuff like this and it takes time and it takes habit building 100% like breaks are great if you build it in as a break yeah yeah it makes it it does make a difference that's exactly it and that's what you said it really does and that's why two of the things that you've said there are really key to what we're doing um it's yeah the habit building and the habit forming and that's why we're trying to say like we want to be proactive as much as possible we want people to try and use interlude in a way where they look at their time they look at I keep talking about like, oh, maybe if you have a long meeting, maybe it's a short meeting with someone who gets you like a bit riled up because maybe after that you need to do something, you yeah. know, looking at your work life holistically and it could be home life as well. You know, these two things are so intertwined now and proactively putting things in, using things reactively when you have to. But like the idea is if the more proactive you are, the less reactive you have to be. And the second thing is where you said, you know, different things on different days. That's why we've created interlude instead of just being meditation. And I have nothing against headspace and calm and all those things. I think they've done amazing work. All we're saying is let's take that a step further and try and make that with lots of different elements so that you can say, okay, on what today? It's Thursday. On Thursdays, I do podcasts and maybe I get a little bit like overstimulated so I'm going to go and do some like breathing or meditation but maybe there's the opposite where you're doing some tasks that are like you're about I'm about to do something that's really dull so maybe you want to do something that's quite upbeat and gets your heart rate up and kind of gets you pumped and like right we're going to get through this and we're going to get it done and so that's why we created interlude with lots of different elements you know you've got the fitness elements you've got the stretching you've got yoga, you've got creative stuff like art and writing, you've got cooking, you've got affirmations, which is very like internal. So there's, and we obviously have meditation. There's lots of different things that you can do. And I think that being flexible is so important. And like, I'm so guilty of like, because I'm quite, I'm quite internally chaotic. So I really like rigidity to keep me on track but sometimes that becomes the problem like you said yeah. with going out and seeing people you kind of come full circle and you it that becomes the issue um so I found it really helpful to be structured with room for flexibility that's what helps me but obviously everyone is different and that's why we wanted to make something that is really really flexible you can use it in different ways you can we want to see the different ways that people are using it because trying to trying to do like something blanket it just doesn't work yeah and I mean like this is like you're saying like things like meditation you know I have tried so many times to get into meditation and I have my brain just 
constantly goes. I like I I I envy people that can just like Same. switch off. Like, I can't switch off. It's terrible. But it's also like one of the great things I love about me is that I'm constantly thinking and exploring new ideas. So when every time I try to get into meditation, yeah, yeah you, I mean it's just both sides doesn't happen. Do you know it's interesting? I think there's there's two really interesting things there. One is obviously the thing that meditation is a practice and it is really mm. hard um, for some people. I'm exactly the same. But there are studies that have found, and I can't remember the exact numbers, but it's a tiny amount. I think it's something like 13 minutes a day for some for a really short amount of time, like four weeks or something has physical it physically changes your brain wow. right so like it's it's a pra- it's a practice but it's it meditation physically alters it it's bonkers there's a study that looked at 10,000 was it 10,000 or am I getting that mixed up with the 10,000 um hours to learn something but it was with master meditators anyway so people like monks people who've been doing it for a long time and they looked at their like they looked at brain scans and all this sort of thing and they could see that there are physical differences. And I'm I'm not going to go deep into this because I, I haven't um, refreshed myself on this before this podcast, but there's like different pathways and they're able to shut off the kind of the pathways that are like the bing, 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 the ones that are like yeah. responding to stuff. People who meditate can physically switch those off. And it's like, it's mad. And that means that's why meditation improves your focus so much is because you're practicing being able to do that. So when you need it, you can deploy it. But I think the second thing is, I think... If meditation isn't something that maybe it's something you're going to work on over time, or maybe it's something you're just like, look, it's not for me. I've got lots of other things that I want to do. What can you find that's meditative without necessarily being meditation? So for me, I have found recently when I get massages, I kind of zone out and I'm still thinking about stuff, but I find it, I'm thinking about stuff and kind of letting it, it's going over and I, I'm getting that feeling that you're supposed to have with meditation where you let thoughts come and go. Um, and I find it very relaxing and I'm, I'm still kind of clocking over things, but I definitely come out feeling like, yeah, like it really helps. The other thing I find is like, um, cooking, cooking, I find really meditative. I can, I can switch off when I'm doing that more than anything else. So I think finding those things that get you to a state of, of calm without necessarily being meditation, if that's not working for you, like you don't have to be all or nothing. Um, although I completely agree with you because I'm also very buzzy brain and I do love that about myself as well. Like the ideas are always going. I just want to try and sometimes be like, I don't need to have ideas all yeah. the time. Sometimes it's nice to to not. Yeah, I like <laughs> what you're saying because it gets you, like for, I, for me, I found walking, like I've been doing so much more walking. I think it's the weather, the yeah. weather is amazing. And, yeah. and I literally just put the really headphones helps. in, music on and just walk and it's made such a difference. Yeah, and, and like you said, you know, you don't have to be like this expert master meditator. You just got to find what works for you. And I think this is where we do mm. put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Is it's really like it's so, like it's, I definitely just I like I put a lot of pressure on myself to do mental health right and to like be perfect at it, which in itself, <laughs> yeah, is massive like roadblock in actually achieving it. And it's and I think. Uh, I think I did see this on TikTok. I see a lot of stuff on TikTok, but it's like the self, um, the self healing trap. It's kind of you eventually will get to a point, and this could be wrong. Mm. So like, I need to look into it. But you will eventually get to a point where you can't do any more, and it's when self acceptance comes in. And I think that this is where the conversation needs to go towards mm. is about self acceptance and accepting that not everything is going to be perfect. Not every day is going to be the great a great day. 
But if you're trying and you, if you're just, it's, if you're yeah. living, if as long as you're living, you know, you're doing your best you can, like give yourself some credit. Yeah. 100%. 100%. I think that there's a really interesting conversation happening at the moment because of um, Stephen Bartlett's podcast um, with the founder of Girls, uh, is it Girls Who Code? Have I made that? Oh, I haven't seen it yet. I've Let seen clips of it. I don't want to get this wrong. Um, let me just, I'm just going to look this up because she, I want to proper shout her out because she's done such a great job. Um, is this it? Yeah. Yeah, it was Girls Who Code. Um, yeah, Reshma Sojani, who's the Girls Who Code founder. And she was on the podcast two weeks ago, I think. Um, and she was talking about how she was like, I'm sick of self-help books. I'm sick of having to fix myself instead of everything else, like the systems being they're the things that need to be fixed like we're great how we are and I do think that there's a lot of like I like learning I like being introspective I like bettering myself but I don't I want to do that because I want to not because I have to yeah. um and I think that's really interesting and I mean I do I really like those kind of books because I like being challenged and like having um new points of view and stuff but I really like this I'd never really heard this idea of like I don't need that like it's okay to want something, but to be made to feel like you need something, you need to be better, you need to do all these things, that's where the problem lies. Um, and there's some really interesting conversations happening around that. So I'm really enjoying looking at people's perspectives on on self-betterment or, or self-fixing or whatever. And I think the fixing thing I keep coming back to because when I was talking with my therapist and I'd be like, oh, and I felt really anxious and then I did this and I felt better. And she was like, great, but I really want you to not think about fixing the problem. It's not about fixing. It's about, because she was like, if I could cure, if I could magically get rid of your anxiety, she's like, I wouldn't because it's it's a helpful thing. Yeah. It's there for a reason. What we need to do is just learn how to say to it, like, thank you for worrying about me. But actually, I don't need you right now. Yeah. <laughs> and you can you can just calm yourself down. I, don't, I need you at like a three so that I don't walk into traffic. Um, and I don't do anything like when I'm cutting things, I, I don't chop my fingers off. I do not need you at the nine that you're at right now. And that has, that was such a big shift because I, I've always been in such a like problem solving mentality. And when it comes to our mental health, I don't think that's always the answer, but obviously I'd like to say here as well, this is all my experience with my therapist and my problems. Um, but I, it was helpful for me to hear those things. Yeah. And I, I, hundred percent agree with what you said about therapy and like getting it and I've had a similar experience with my therapist um where she was like I would go in and you know you get the question like oh how are you today and I literally be like I'm great yeah I'm great (laughs) and she's like no but how are you Mm. and I was like oh okay maybe maybe I'm not and it's it's this is where like the the problem fixing the ignoring the like plowing on it always came in and I and it took a good few sessions for me to actually be like Mm oh, actually, I can see what I'm doing now. And I think this is where, like, this idea, the, this whole approach to mental health, this whole way, it's it's not going to change overnight. Like, unfortunately, you're not going to listen to this podcast and I'm automatically, fit, like, it's automatically going to be, like, not a thing that you do. It's a habit. I do it all the time still. Um, but it's, like, noticing you're not giving yourself space and you're not letting yourself feel things. You're tackling things with a problem, so, like, fix this problem mindset and it's because it's kind of ingrained into us anyways and we have to unlearn it and you know this is where I think tools like interlude are great because 
they're part of this bigger conversation this bigger this bigger journey towards you know improving the way we talk about things like mental health um in society it's it's contributing to how we need to think about breaks like you know um because like there you know there is like a stigma a bit about taking a break people are like why you know if you're not you know continuously yeah, working for like, sure you you know slacking yeah it's not slacking if you come back and when you can actually work and like for a really long time I would just sit in front of my computer and yeah work which is basically try force myself to do stuff and do nothing it's taken me a long time to realize it but I realize now stepping away god it makes all the difference yeah and it's this thing of like busy work right with the things that we do to make ourselves feel like we're doing stuff and I think that like when we're thinking about who our end user is for interlude it's people like us like it's people who want to we want to be excellent like we really want to achieve but we also really care about our mental and physical well-being and we also want to have a good time and like enjoy ourselves and all of those things can be together in harmony we just need to take steps um and I think that there's a few other things as well as that like we have never and we will never say that interlude is the solution we think that especially when it comes to businesses we should be part of a cohesive well-being strategy that has proactive reactive one-to-one one-to-many kind of solutions we should be a part of that if you don't have anything we're a great start but like that's what we would encourage people we don't a lot of companies that people are like oh your competitor let's say spill for example yeah. people are like, oh spills your competitor i'm like right now they're a competitor for some budget but they do a completely different thing to us and they're doing it so well and like i would love to have something like spill alongside interlude they are not they are not the same thing we are not doing the same thing we're looking after people in very very different ways and i would love to see these things being used in harmony and the other thing is something i don't get to talk about a lot is that with interlude like yes we're you know you have to sell a product mm-hmm. right and you have to have messaging and things so we kind of jump on the buzzwords of productivity and well-being because that helps to explain to people what we're doing. But also a lot of our breaks are really made with joy at, at the heart of it. Like a lot of the times I want you to take a break because it's nice and like it's a lovely thing. And the productivity element is a really nice outcome. But I want you to feel happy yeah, primarily because everything else follows that. And... Yeah, I think that it's it's hard to get that across in our messaging because you don't want to confuse people and you, you need to be able to have those kind of things for people to jump on. But really, like, I don't... We are not about toxic productivity at all. We are not about being like, hack your life. Like, yeah. not into that. We are about saying, like, how can you look at your day so that you can feel better or even just yeah, feel good or feel marginally better because I'm not saying that everyone is always going to feel good at the end. I just want you to feel a little bit less bad than you did. Do better work. And whether that's like how much time you're spending on it because you're able to kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. spend a bit more time or whether it's the quality of the work and you're doing it quicker, which is great, whatever it is. And then have more time for the things you love. And that could be more work. You know, if if you're an entrepreneur, if you're like us, sometimes the thing that you love doing is more work sometimes it's nothing to do with work and that's great too and like we want people to be having more leisure time we want we also a big thing is I don't always want breaks and rest to be as an end goal to productivity sometimes breaks and rest should be 
for absolutely nothing other than themselves. And like, I think it's really important that, you know, it's like I said, it's hard to get that across in like a website yeah. or a one pager. And that's why I really like talking to people is because I really want people to understand that, that, you know, rest is really sacred. And sometimes it should just be for its, its own sake, not always with an end goal. Sometimes it's nice to just do absolutely nothing. That's so true. For no reason. That's brilliant. Just to enjoy it. Uh, Amazing. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for coming on today. Um, And I just want to ask you one last question. This is how we can wrap up. No worries. Um, Mm. um, So what would you say to someone who right now, they just don't feel like it gets better? Like, what would you say to them? I think that it's very important to remember that it's not linear. So you might feel like it isn't getting better and then you might feel like it's better and then you might feel worse. And I think it's really important not to let that feeling of things being worse reflect on the entirety of your kind of progress. It's going to be like this and sometimes it's going to be like this. Like you just need to keep going and keep pushing forward. And that's be- that being said, with pushing forward, sometimes you can you can hang back and like take some time and look after yourself and just things do not go like that. And things also don't go like that. So you need to just t- take your time and be really compassionate. And I think acceptance is the big kind of thing that we've been talking about today. And just sometimes it's like, sometimes the, it's just shit. Yeah. <laughs> and like, sometimes it's, it, sometimes it's just time. Sometimes time is the only thing that we can, sometimes you just like have to keep moving just keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep like washing yourself feeding yourself sleeping as much as you can just till you get through like sometimes taking your pills if you need them be set reminders get a little i get a pill box things that can help you that's brilliant take the little steps that you can do and just be as kind to yourself as possible Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you took something from it. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I hope you have a fantastic week and remember, hey, it gets better.